Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, so Tom Brady had COVID. We know this after Super Bowl 55, the boat parade in February, told me that. And he got the vaccine. We know he's vaccinated, um, just like every one of his fellow Bucks players. And we know that he cares about what he puts into his body because he's the co-author of TB12 Method. But he was on the uh, Let's Go podcast with Jim Gray on Monday night, the one that I get to listen to because it's where he get a lot of my information from Tom Brady uh, as he wants. And, of course, Jim asked him about Aaron Rodgers and all that's going on. Of course, Rodgers unable to play because he's tested positive for COVID-19. He's not vaccinated, as we know. He said he had immunity, um, but he had to sit out and will have to sit out until at least Saturday before their game against the Seahawks. So... I think he was kidding, but the way he said it, you could take it either way. Um, but Brady really didn't want to weigh in. And so he goes, I'm not commenting on the Aaron Rodgers personal situation. He told Craig, he goes, far be it for me to tell anyone what to put in their body. But by the way, the TB12 method is available in paperback wherever nutritional books are sold. And I'll leave it at that. So it's kind of funny, you know, like, yeah, you tell you are the one that does tell people what to put in your body. Um which makes it all the more, you know, the, the the differences between Brady and Rodgers are so, you know, startling in many ways. Because, Steve, I don't think there is any quarterback that that cares more about what he what he eats, what he drinks. No one's had the discipline he's had. That's why at forty four, he's playing at an MVP level. Well, and if you want to learn more in person, 4809 North Armenia Avenue, you can get the books there at Suite 230. So, yes, yes, you can. You know, just so exactly uh, right. every base is covered there for the TB12 Home store. of TB12, yeah. Yeah, no, I Wrote mean, whole story. Tom Brady and his trainer Alex Guerrero have changed the way some athletes think about their body and, and, mm-hmm. and how they, they treat it. I mean, you know, you know, Alex was definitely a controversial figure particularly early when with Tom mm-hmm. Brady in that after Tom Brady's knee injury yeah, and he missed a season and he swore he wasn't going to do that again. And he hasn't since then. Um, you know, there's lots of reasons for it. A lot of the, what he does to his body and the way he trains and eats and takes care of it, but also the way he plays has helped in that regard. No question. It's a combination of all that, but right. yes, there's nobody that cares more about what you put in your body than Tom Brady. And particularly so, I mean, for his teammates. Uh, yeah, and, and I think that's the difference uh, is, you know, and, and, you know, you can sit here and go, well, it's a personal choice, and we all know that, and, and, and Rodgers, um, you know, was trying to take other things that would help with his immunity, and, and the league didn't recognize that, so he had to go through the protocols as an unvaccinated player. The Packers knew about it. They didn't enforce all the protocols, and therefore they're going to get sued, and so or not sued, but they're going to get fined. And so were Rodgers. I don't think anybody's getting suspended per se, um, but but Rodgers was kind. Of, you know, he's kind of defiant, like in his you know appearance uh, on that podcast. 
um, in, in, you know, during his 47 minute rant or whatever about how the woke police were after him and stuff like this. The thing about Brady, and, and this is true, like left to his own devices, like Brady got COVID. And from what I understand, you know, it, it, he was symptomatic. Like he, he suffered a little bit, you know, not to the point where hospitalization or anything like that, but you know, it wasn't one of those where I don't have any symptoms and you just test positive. He had some symptoms. Um, and I think it's, I think it's, it's also true that, you know, Giselle had him, had it as well. So having gone through that, he actually did have immunity, you know, from it, um, natural immunity because he had had the virus. And because of that, he could have skipped some of the, some of the protocol steps since he was, had had COVID, you know, so recently, um, but instead, when all those protocols came out, obviously the NFLPA and the NFL were encouraging, if not coercing, um, you know, with, with these, these protocols um, to get people, to get their players vaccinated. Tom Brady said, give me the shot. Give me the shot. I'll take it. And I think the reason, I don't think it's, there's any question about this. It's the same thing Brady does anything. It, he knew a couple of things. One, that if he didn't do it, it would be a competitive disadvantage. In other words, the same thing that Aaron Rodgers is going through could happen to him. He gets COVID. He could be out 10, 10 days before you can even have a chance to get back in the building. So he wasn't going to miss games. And two, and you made this point before the podcast, which I think is, is spot on, he doesn't want his, his teammates to miss games because that hurts his ability to win. So what's the best way to guarantee or to, to sort of ensure that your teammates will, will come on board is to go ahead, if you're Tom Brady, and get the vaccination. You know, if Brady's going to do it, and we all know how much he cares about what's in his body, for a competitive advantage, how can you say no as, as a teammate? That would be almost impossible. Yeah. You know, the way Tom Brady is as a leader, the way he's respected in the locker room, and all that, if he's and, and and you know, there's no one that cares more about what he puts in his body than Tom Brady. If he's doing it, you're doing it. Yeah, there's no question. Or you're probably not going to be around here. No, or exactly. They can't count on you. And the only thing Brady wants are guys he can count on that'll put forth as much effort. And you know, they beat. Listen, they without without a vaccine. If you think, if you go back and think about 2020. The greatest accomplishment, maybe that they that they did, and they went all the way to the Super Bowl and won it, is the fact that without a vaccine, that team stuck together, and with the except very few exceptions, they didn't get COVID. And if you got it, you were going to miss games. You know, like Ronald Jones missed a couple, um, but very very few cases. And 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 you know, Bruce Arians was the COVID police. I mean, they. They had the ability, first of all, to separate outside year-round because of the weather. They were able to do meetings underneath the tent, that sort of thing, shower outside, like all kinds of stuff. You know, it looked like a – I don't know if you remember the old MASH series. It was like, wait a minute, that's a shower and it's outside. <laughs> it was just weird. Um, and they had some guys, you know, the locker room was in the indoor facility and someone – so they took over the whole building. They kicked us out in a trailer. But they managed to stay, for the most part, COVID-free. Um, and, and, and as much as anything they had, you know, Bruce said it, we got to beat the virus before we beat anybody else. And they did that. They did a tremendous job of it. And then this year, hundred percent compliance, you know, there's a, a few holdouts like Leonard Fournette, some other guys that, you know, were late to the party, but they all got it done. And 
they've had some players, Kevin Minter and others, that have gotten COVID and missed games, you know, even since then. Um, but nothing that has, you know, been significant. And, you know, like Tom, Tom did say that he goes, you know, every week um, we're trying to prevent the spread of it, and we've missed some players this year. Other teams have missed players. I hope everyone stays safe. So that's the important part in all of it. But believe me, everything Tom Brady does, including what he puts in his body, is for a competitive advantage. You don't get to be 44 years old and throw the ball the way he does and win Super Bowls without doing all the right things. And if he thinks this is going to help him win or, or you know lead to other players getting vaccinated so they won't be missing time, then that's why he did it. And I don't think it's a secret because you know Aaron Rodgers can talk about all the research and all this. Other. Listen, <laughs> this dude's made a science of it. And he even said... Um, again, you know, on Monday night that he kind of, he kind of ripped the union. Uh, he's been doing that for some time in his last two years, especially after he left the Patriots. And he said, you know, players should have the best health care and receive the best treatment. He says, I have for a long time, but I've had to do it myself. That's just the reality. The league didn't provide it for me. That's why I'm very cognizant of what I put into my body, my hydration, how I eat, how I recover, how I train, how I work out, how I get my pliability. There's things that are very important to me. I want to live a great life after football, and I want to teach people who have been in my position and others who love being active in this, the same type of things. He thinks his legacy for the next, he said, 50 years after he's done playing, which would make him about 95, um, is to change the way uh, or assist on the sort of treatment that players and athletes and just others in general can get so that they can have longevity in sports or in life or in activities that they love doing. And that's sort of going to be his next chapter. You know, this, this sort of industry that he's very invested in. Um, and who's a better example of it than him. So yeah, I, I, I don't know, like we'll have a chance to talk to him Thursday. I do have obviously some questions. Hopefully he'll get past the sort of, you know, blanket. I'm not talking about Aaron Rodgers thing. Um, but I do think it's interesting, like his, I want to know his why, you know, why, since you had the, the virus, which Rogers did not until now, why did you then choose to get it anyway? Because you didn't need to, you you know, you're going to have immunity for some time after that. Um, and, and for a guy who is as cognizant of what goes in his body, why didn't he have a problem with what was in the vaccine? Yeah. Personal choice. You can apply it to Rogers. You can not apply it to Rogers, but I think the answer always is, is always going to be the same, and that is, I want to win. I want to win, I want to win, I want to win. <laughs> and the league is making it difficult to do that, you know, unless you follow these, unless you get vaccinated and, and you don't have to have these, as Roger said, draconian protocols. So, you know, it definitely did affect his teammates, 100% compliance. And up to now, at least, they've been fairly fortunate. We don't know if Rodgers is going to play on Sunday. I mean, they play the Seattle Seahawks at home um, and practice isn't a big deal. He can do the meetings and stuff virtually. But Russell Wilson's coming back. So all of a sudden, that's another game that the Packers, without Aaron Rodgers, would struggle to win. The other thing I thought about in watching you know, them play without him and scoring a grand total of seven points, if and when Aaron Rodgers leaves the Packers... They're in for a whole different experience, man. Like, you know, there's just no guarantee that that 
they're, they're ever the Jordan Love is ever going to develop. I mean, you've had you've had the ability to have Brett Favre followed by Aaron Rodgers. I mean, who has that sort of luck, right? And then I guess you could say Peyton Manning. And speaking of luck, Andrew yeah. Luck. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that was a that was a hell of a a hell of a one two punch there. And Andrew just got beat up and and had a very short career and decided to leave it after ten years or so. But you know that that's I mean, that Joe is, Montana, Steve Young. Yeah, yeah, and they traded. That's true. Yeah. They traded for Steve Young. Mm-hmm. So there's been a few franchises that have been blessed that way, but not many. Well, the Packers and, traded for Brett Favre. I mean, it wasn't like he. Right, you know, he came the from Favre and, the Favre yeah. and, and Rodgers yeah. part. So yeah. yeah. But then they got rid of Favre, and they, you know they had the foresight to draft Aaron Rodgers, and he's another Hall of Fame quarterback. So, you know, I just don't, I don't know. It's one game, it's one start. It would be very unlikely that Jordan Love would reach that level of fame or competence as a quarterback. Um, but just in watching what I watched against Kansas City, if I'm a if I'm a Packers fan, I'm like, tell me again why we want to run this guy off so fast just because because we drafted somebody. That we don't know if he can play or not, um, and all evidence, you know, at least based on his first start, it wasn't good enough. We know that. So, yeah, I wouldn't be so quick to run him off a of Green Bay, but it, it sure kind of feels like, you know, he he's just he's taken so much oxygen from that organization, and I think also that's probably why they didn't ask him to wear a mask. They didn't they didn't really enforce a lot of those protocols because they were trying to make him happy. You know, they they didn't want to push him in the wrong direction as an organization. The league will end up doing it, but they didn't want to do it. So you can kind of you can kind of understand sort of the situation they were in. But anyway, I'll be look forward to talk to Tom Brady um, later this week. On I guess on Thursday we'll get him. Bucks had a bonus day on Monday. They got a bonus day today. Uh, they're going to have they had a very short practice, maybe forty five minutes to an hour, kind of a walkthrough. Couple guys did come back um, off the IR at least. Sean Murphy Bunting, um, also Scotty Miller was out there and running around. Now you know for Sean Murphy Bunting, he has not practiced in eight weeks. I mean, he got hurt in week one, dislocated the elbow. Um, you know Miller's had sort of a turf toe injury, and you know in talking to Bruce Arians afterward, he said, "Look, I you know they were both out there, but there's a big difference between." showing up at practice and actually playing in a game. And so he says, you know, it's a little too early to know. Let's see how they their body responds and see if they're sore, that sort of thing. We we're, we still got a ways to go. They got – it started last week where they got 21 days um, before they have to activate them. So at any point, I think it will be sooner than later, maybe even as soon as, as uh, Sunday against Washington. So we'll see if they're able to do that. But um, not out there more specifically was Gronk. And and Antonio Brown, and was Gronk a surprise? I mean, you know, he did play in the last game, very limited, of course. And afterwards, Arian said maybe we shouldn't have done that. I mean, do you think that slows the slowed down his return, or just not ready yet? I think he's had a setback. Okay, that's my personal opinion. Um, reading the tea leaves, he played six plays, and he didn't look good doing it. He went out for what they said was a back spasm. And in reality, they said it was it was sort of connected to his previous injury. Well, his previous injury was ribs. But this is a guy who got hit in the back, 
and he's had back surgery. And so when you say spasm, is that a euphemism for, you know, nerve damage, for pinched nerve, for herniated disc? Like, stuff like that is what I worry about. You know, especially a guy that's had as many surgeries as him. So I, I'm, they haven't put him on IR. They, they haven't talked about doing that. Gronk was asked about him on his podcast, and he said very little. He said, well, you know, he's working through some things. He's a tough guy. He's the toughest guy I know. Hopefully he can get back soon. Didn't sound overly optimistic. And Brown is in a boot still, according to Bruce Arians. And he all but said, yeah, I, I wouldn't look for him or Gronk this week. So does that mean they claim OBJ by 4 o'clock today off waivers? Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I think I think it's possible um, if they know more than we do. If they think Brown's going to miss significant time, I mean, you've got nine games left, right? So, you know, are you are you going to, you know, you're going to count on Brown in two weeks and four weeks, and then then what are you down to? You wouldn't have played in a month, month and a half. Um, it makes you wonder. You know, it makes you wonder if they would do this. Uh, but first and foremost, he was waived on Monday. He's subject to waivers today after 4 p.m. Most of the people I talked to think he will be claimed. Um, there was some thought that he would clear waivers. There's some contract stuff. I, I believe, and I'd have to go back and read, but I, I believe that the Saints are on the hook for some of that $7.5 million salary. I think that's how they renegotiated it. Um, it'd be ideal for him to be a free agent, but... You know, I also think that uh, we know the Saints tried to trade for him and weren't successful, and there's talk about Seattle. Uh, both those teams would have a higher waiver claim than the Bucks if the Bucks, in fact, put in a waiver claim. It's based on sort of order, you know, where you're at record-wise in the NFC, et cetera. So both those teams would pick before Tampa. Um, now, if you were of the mindset that, well, we think he's going to clear waivers. We're not going to put in a claim. And then if he does, you know, we'll negotiate. Then you could lose, you know, or you could just hope that he clears. But I, you never know. Like, I don't think the Bucks will tell us, like, if they didn't get the player. Pe- teams that don't get the player don't tell you, oh, yeah, we put in a claim for him. Um, but it looks like he'll be claimed. And we'll know by, I guess, by 4 o'clock today or a little after um, where he goes. My guess is he'll go to the Saints. Unless Seattle jumps him. If Seattle takes him earlier, then he'll go there. Assuming that he's going to report and all that stuff. I don't know why he wouldn't. Um, but he might have his heart set on one team or the other. And he'll be a, he'll be a, he'll be a good player for whoever gets him. And there's, there's a long way to go. You know, there is a long way to go in this season. So, um, you know, you, you think about adding a guy like Odell Beckham, if he's motivated, if he's with a good quarterback, all that stuff. Um, you got to believe that he'll be a factor. So I, I'm anxious to see. I, you know, look, the answer has always been Tampa Bay. If Tom Brady wants him, well, they'll put in a claim. Um, but I don't know. You know, I don't know that we'll ever know that. You know, because if he goes someplace else. But it's interesting because I, I think they need Antonio Brown. I think Antonio Brown. Like, if you were going to say who who they need to get back, everybody would go well, Carlton Davis. Sean Murphy bunting, and that's all true because of the, the sort of the mess that the secondary has been. 
But if you could add Antonio Brown back and just the mix that that the pressure that that causes other defenses, this is a team that scores 30 points a game. And sometimes in excess of that. And, you know, Brady has always said it's about scoring points. You can take a lot of pressure off your defense when you do that. And to get Antonio Brown to go with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin just is a game. It's just a change. It just changes the offense. It just does. You know, he's not like those other guys. Um, he gives you stuff that, that they don't have. So, you know, if he's not coming back in the near future and you, you know, there's only two games, by the way, that they play against teams with winning records. One is the Saints at home. The other is the Bills at home. And we know how good they've been at home. And the Bills just lost to Jacksonville, for God's sakes. Scored all, you know. Didn't score a touchdown. Points. Yeah, didn't fail to score. So, I mean, from that standpoint, like, you're in pretty good shape. You've you got a game lead in the NFC South. You've got the Saints coming to you, regardless of what happens the rest of the way. You know, where are the where are the trap doors here? Could you lose to any team? Yeah. Could you lose on the road? Yeah. But I don't think you're going to lose to Washington. Um, you've got the Giants at home on a Monday night. I don't see them losing to them. You've got the Jets on the road. You've got... Obviously, the NFC South teams. The interesting thing is that if the playoffs started today, there'd be three NFC South teams in the postseason, including Bucks, the Falcons. Bucks would host the Saints. They would host the Saints in the first round. It'd be awesome, man. Um, but yeah, so I mean, all that's bound to change. But you know, it. I mean, I could see them going after the guy if if they think Brown's going to be out. I mean, the guy's still in a boot. He's not playing this week. Probably not going to play next week. Okay, so now, now you're down to seven weeks in in the playoffs. So who's who who's today? I mean, what happens, for example? Okay, so you're without Brown. What if you go out there Sunday? And God forbid, and I'm knocking on wood here for all you Bucks fans that are going to call me later and tell me I jinxed it, somebody. But what if you lost one of your front line receivers? You know, and I won't even name them because I don't, we all know who they are. But what if you lost one of the t- twins there? And now you got to navigate the rest of the season with Tyler Johnson, either Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, no Antonio Brown, and Scotty Miller, and no Gronk. Does that change things a little bit? You betcha. You betcha. And and it's a they still got nine games to play, which is a lot. Brady railed about that as well. He called it stupid. All this stuff. Doesn't like the seventeenth game for a guy that never misses him. But yeah, it's I, I like I said, we'll never know probably if he gets claimed by somebody else that has whose order is in front of them. But let me put it to you this way: I've asked a lot of questions about Odell Beckham Jr. I've gotten zero answers. <laughs> so let that let that be as it may. You know, there's plenty plenty of times the team will will say. Mm, yeah, I don't. I don't think we'll be doing it. But when they don't, when they don't say anything, of course you never rule anything out. But when you don't say anything, like you don't, you're not eager to let anybody know your intentions. Then you might have intentions. You know, who's to say? So it'll be interesting, man. We'll find out at four o'clock. It'll be really, really interesting to find out. What about uh, Dan Mullen? Did you catch any of that press conference that he had up there in Florida? First live press conference in a while. Yeah, lots of coaches want to come coach at Florida, right? <laughs> oh, sure. Why wouldn't you, lame duck? You did everything but quack up there on stage. 
I don't know. Like, what's the? How do you think the discussion went with the AD? Was it Strickland? Is that who the AD is at Florida? I, I don't. I don't think it was a discussion. No, I think it was told you got to make some changes. Okay, so if your boss came to you and said you got to make changes, are you assuming that that means I'm in trouble, or they're going to let me try to work my way out of this for a year? Or is it just for the rest of the year? Like, see if you can pull this, pull some, salvage something out of this season, and then we'll talk about next season. But these guys got to go. Uh, uh, it's hard to tell because usually coaches get one go through through assistance. You know, usually you you get that chance unless you've completely lost the team. Mm-hmm. Which he was asked, and he said no. Yeah. You know, look, the the AD is going to know a lot more about how, you know, which players had the flu and if it really influenced that game on Saturday. I mean, we, we, we don't know. You also, I mean, if I'm the AD, I'm looking at, it's not so much what you do the next three, four games, whatever's left in the season, but it's also what recruits you got coming in. The issue that Dan Mullen doesn't want to talk about publicly. You know, it's, you know, part of it's what you do the rest of the season, but it's, you know, what are your chances for next year and the year after looking at how you've recruited, what recruiting looks like for next year and even projecting the year after. Granted, those all change so quickly. Uh, but, you know, if you think that Dan Mullen's still the right coach, you got the transfer portal too to, you could start using this year a lot more potentially and, and fix a team real quick. I mean – if you think he's the right coach, you know, you, you've, you've got him making changes midseason. I'm thinking he's got another year. I could be wrong. And, and maybe there's some stuff he's got to prove. But I, I think, you know, if he's starting to make changes and there may be more changes to the coaching staff at the end of the season, I, I think he's got at least another year. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I think, I think it's a preemptive, like, Mm-hmm. Okay, we know there's trouble. We're addressing it. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, this will fix it. But it's not our head coach. We like our head coach, mm-hmm. um, but we know we have to address some things. And you know, you're also telling recruits that and everything else. I mean, that's what you know. This isn't good enough. We're we're going to be better. Yeah, we hold ourselves to a higher standard. It's all part of that. I do question who they're going to, and I'm I'm the guy that always says, "Oh, there's always coaches. Don't don't ever get caught up in the fact. Well, who are they going to get? You know, I, there's always good young coaches looking for opportunity, especially at the University of Florida. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, at 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 one point or another, you know, you know Jeff Scott was a, re, a you know receivers coach or whatever, and recruiting his butt off mm-hmm. at Clemson. You know, so somebody got him. So you got to find that guy, but but you got to find him fast. And and I'm not sure the list will be as long if Mullen wasn't perceived as almost out of here. Well, and, and here's the thing. I mean, you know, you've already you you know there's going to be openings on this staff next season. You can start. I mean, people can start soliciting now. You know, hey, I want to be a defensive coordinator at Florida. Who wouldn't want to be? There's not many coaches that are going to turn that down if given the opportunity, even if it ends up being one year. The amount of talent you can have here. You know, you know, even even if it doesn't, if Dan Mullen's out in a year or two from now, the defensive coordinator at Florida on your resume looks pretty good, period. 
assuming you know you don't do an awful job. I I don't think he's not going to have problems filling those jobs. Yeah. Well, the problem the problem with if there does get to be a perception that Mullen's in trouble, that's when your other coaches start looking for jobs. And that's when your game plans from your coordinators, one of which he just fired, that's when those game plans aren't very good because they've checked out. They got families. They can read the tea leaves. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's that's the biggest argument for not firing a head coach during the middle of a season because everybody on the staff knows they're fired too. You know, it's, it's, it happens where somebody you know gets the interim, but not very often. Well, the other part about an interim is you got to have someone on staff that's qualified to be an interim. Right. You know, you know who I, and you know before you make that change, you know someone's still got to run the program temporarily. And if you don't have anybody ready to do that, then you can't make that move. I mean, that all goes into it as well. Right. Exactly. And. You know, the other there's always a risk of putting an interim coach in there. Is if that's not a coach you want to hire long term, but they come in and rattle off four in a row, three in a row. Now all of a sudden, is your hand forced? Doesn't have to be, but that's not necessarily what you want. You don't want to have to be turning that person away publicly when when the fans start to fall in love with that person. Yeah, you never want to make a guy a candidate who would never normally be a candidate. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there's always, you know, very often when you fire a coach, there's sort of a rally around the new guy and ding dong, the witch is dead and attitudes improve. And, you know, if you're in the doghouse with, with the head coach, now you feel like you're out of it. You know, so guys play hard and it usually doesn't amount. It's not sustainable. But, you know, you do get a little bit of a jolt from it, at least initially. So. You gotta be careful with that. I I think Mullen will will, will stick. Um, kind of kind of weird time to fire coaches. Should have done you know should have had it grant them out at the beginning of the year, not now. Um, I think that'll always be the regret there. Yeah. And then obviously recruiting is a problem, and your assistants have to recruit. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you're not landing people, you know that might have been a situation with the offensive line coach who he's been with for years. So. I don't know. We'll see. All right. In a little raise news, two of the three candidates, finalists for American League Rookie of the Year happen to be Tampa Bay Rays, Randy Rosarena and Wander Franco. So, of course, they'll split the vote and finish second and third, correct? That's what the math would say, <laughs> although I think Rosarena is the favorite and maybe a prohibitive favorite. It, it's a little... Uh, I would say quite a quite a surprise that Franco, after 70 games, is on this list. I'm guessing some of it is, one, he was very impressive down the stretch. When you start, you know, putting your name in 43 games consecutively, getting on base, and that ties Frank Robinson for the record 20 and under, uh, you know, you start being on the highlight shows every night because of that streak and, and what you do. And then his reputation coming in. I mean, he's the two-time, you know, number one prospect in baseball. Finally gets called up and and frankly lived up to the hype in the seventy games that he played. So I, I think he, some of it was built on the reputation that. But Araz Arena had the better season because he played the whole season and his numbers were fantastic. Yeah, I mean he put together a great year and and the other guy um, there was a third 
player, obviously, the Astros pitcher, Luis Garcia. 11-8, and 3-4 um, ERA, pitched really well, he I thought, really in good. the postseason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so deserving for sure. But um, will they split the vote? I don't think so. I think it goes to Rosarena. And, and certainly he was on the radar, you know, even though he qualified as a rookie this year. I mean, what he did in the postseason when they went to the World Series was, you know, more than put him on the map. And then to follow it up with, you know, 162 games of production like he had. Mm-hmm. Um, this will be, I think, I think the third rookie of the year maybe. Evan Longoria, Will Myers, right? It sounds about right, yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if there are any more. Uh, I don't remember David Price or not. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. They've had a few. I don't and think Price was. I don't. I don't think he was either. But the, boy, that's a that's a pretty good. When you've got two of those guys qualifying as rookies, out of three on that list in one ball club. Yeah. Uh, actually, Tampa the, Bay's got. Th- this will be the fourth if they win this one. This will be their fourth. Okay, who was the third? You left Did off Jeremy Hellickson in two thousand and one. Jeremy Hellickson won Rookie of the Year mm-hmm. in two thousand eleven, not oh one, two thousand eleven. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I mean, they were pumping out the pitchers back then, so mm-hmm. I could see, could see why that would happen. But imagine yeah. having two two guys on your on the list that, and a whole bunch of guys that were up for you know Gold Gloves and things like that. It's a really good nucleus of players, and they're young players for the most part. So, well, and, and look, you talk about the nucleus, and we've talked about the Rays farm system for a long time, but look at the championships their minor league teams are winning. Almost every one of their minor league teams went to the playoffs again this year. Yeah, exactly. Many of them made the championship. I mean, this run, this window for the Rays, you, you know, even if they lose some of these players, it's not over. I mean, they have built a farm system that keeps winning. And and that's what, you know, it started with the, the Willie Adamases and, and Jake Bowers and, and those guys that were coming up through the system and winning championships at every level rookie ball and single a and double a and you build that culture and and they've you know keep adding to it when they when they trade players like blake snell and others they add to that farm system and bring those players in and and they keep winning championships and, and making playoffs and doing well not just at the major league level but throughout the organization and that's you know part of the philosophy and the plan is you know you've got to keep replenishing you know what, what you lose at the major league level whether it's Letting Charlie Martin Morton go or tr- trading a Blake Snell, you know, and, and then injuries as well, and you've got to keep pun- pumping it out at the at the lower levels of your minor leagues, and the Rays do, and that's why they still, even after you call up a Rosarina is up and, and Wander Franco's up in this, they still have one of the best farm systems in baseball. It's in, it's incredible what they've built. Yeah, a lot of young guys, the Vidal Brujans and different guys that will be coming up. And Josh Lowe Bigos. and you know Josh you Lowe, just, yeah. I mean, there's there's a whole list of them. The, I mean, the pitchers that they have. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've done a nice job of that. They really have. They've done a nice job of, of of getting prospects, getting the right guys. It's not just you know trading 
you know, veteran players for a bunch of rookies, they get the right ones and then they, and then they develop them and then they submit them to that culture that you mentioned. So I would be as bullish on the Rays and, you know, their whole goal is like, let's, let's be that team that's in it every year, you know, and eventually we'll, we'll, we'll burst through and it's not a bad philosophy to have, you it's know, it's working so far. I mean, yeah. you haven't won the world series yet. Right. And this year may be disappointing to go out in the first round again, but sure. Yeah, next step is to be have sustainable success once you get to the postseason. I think the Astros are sort of the template of that, right? I mean, they've mm-hmm. went to three World Series in five years. Well, this is what, making the postseason for the third straight season. It's the first time they've ever done that. They won right. the ALEs for the second straight season. Second straight year, won 100 games for the first time mm-hmm. ever. You I mean, know, it's, you know. You're stacking them. Yeah, yeah, they are. I mean, it's they're they're building it and, and you know, and, and doing it and keep replenishing it too. And it's it's impressive what – Eric Neander and the whole baseball operations staff over there is done. Well, Montreal's got to be very excited. Got to be. <laughs> so imagine the team they're going to get in June, one summer. Coming to you near uh, near and far. So am I right about this? The the college basketball, we are, it's awesome, baby. We're hoops. By the way, prayers to Dickie V, who's still going through you know hell with the chemo treatments and things like that. It won't be the same without him. Uh, wherever they're going to have the tip-off classic these days, but uh, USF has a doubleheader tonight, I believe. They do. The men take on Bethune-Cookman, and okay. then the women take on UTRGV. You're very familiar RGV. with this school, correct? I am not. There's a lot of UT schools. I mean, there's UT San Antonio, which wants to be known as UTSA, not UT San Antonio. Um, there's UT Arlington, which I used to play against. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of UT schools. So what would – it sounds like RV, like an RV, UTRV. What? University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley or Rio Grande Valley. Rio Grande, the Rio yeah. Grande, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yes. The Valley. Yes. Did you know that they're in the WAC, the Western Athletic Conference? That I didn't, but they sound like a WAC school. Yeah, the Vaqueros. They like they would, the Vaqueros, the sunny Vaqueros. Yes. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's probably not uh, – I mean, I hope they're picking up a check because they're probably going to get drilled by by the uh, Lady Bulls. By the way, and I think this is interesting, it's a doubleheader over at USF. Mm-hmm. Guess who has the marquee games? Not the men. It's the women because they draw better, and they're nationally ranked, and they're better. They're a great program. Um, so, yeah, they're uh, – they're going to be they're going to be the highlight of the double, of the twin bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a full so slate of college basketball. I'm looking at the schedule for tonight. I mean, yeah. it, it's, it seems like almost every team is playing tonight. It's the first game you're allowed to play. The big uh, the one at Madison Square Garden. You got Kansas versus Michigan State, and then uh, it's Kentucky and Duke. Those Kentucky are the two games Duke. at Madison Square Garden. So, Coach K, Mike Shashevsky in his final season. Mm-hmm. How about that, they send him out in a bang. Yeah, but yeah, it looks like I mean I'm just looking through the schedule. So if you like college basketball, man, tonight may be the night with the most games ever. <laughs> yeah, I like I do like college basketball. It's hard for me to follow it just because the players are only there for a year if they're really elite mm-hmm. and they go to the NBA. Um, so that's changed the game a little bit for me. But when I really get into basketball, it's usually the NBA around Christmas. You know, Christmas seems to be the NBA's holiday, so um, that's when I. Become. I always I always thought the NBA. And they, they did this a few years ago when they had the striker lockout, whatever it was. Right. And they came back. They had a shortened season. But they started on Christmas Day. Right, right. as about the NFL regular season's wrapping up. Yeah. 
and ended a little later than normal. I always thought the NBA should start on Christmas Day and the playoffs should end basically Labor Day when the NFL starts. I, I think I that. think that would be a great calendar for them. I think the NHL would benefit from that too to get out from under football. I mean, we've seen golf has changed some of the majors and the PGA Championships now much earlier in the season. Hockey runs into how do you keep all these buildings cold enough with the ice in the middle of summer? But basketball doesn't have that issue. So I always thought the NBA should start at Christmas and end in you know the end of end of August essentially with your, your the final or the finals yeah. as they call it. I'd be good. I'd, I'd I'd go for that because then I get to watch more of it. I just mm-hmm. don't you know it's too like you said the NFL is king until they play the Super Bowl. Period. I mean your playoffs at that point would be July and August, right? You know I think it would be great. Dog days of baseball, so you're not cutting yep. into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what do I know? What do you know? If you're a yeah. commissioner for a day, you could do that. Is it still no. David Stern? Is he still the no? It's no, not it's Adam David Silver. Stern. It's Adam Silver. Yeah. So, but you know, the NBA seems to be doing well on its own without me. So, I guess they can yeah. make those decisions. And the Lightning but, back in action tonight at home. They have seven of their next eight at home. They'll play well, tough, uh, one, tough ones coming up. The next three games are the Hurricanes, the Panthers, and the Islanders, the three teams that they had to beat to get to the Stanley Cup final last last year. So, And the Hurricanes have one loss this year. That was to the Panthers on Saturday night. And the Panthers do not have a regulation loss this year. Yeah, I mean, those, those, are your, those are your kingpins right now. It's going to be a great test for the Lightning. It's going to be exciting games. I'm, I'm up for it. I'm, I'm ready to see just what they can do against the top-rung teams right now. And I still think they're going to have a great year and, and make the playoffs and if they get cooch back and all that. But Actually, actually, let me let me correct myself. The Panthers now have a loss because they lost to the Rangers on Monday night. So Ah, okay. They lost just a few minutes ago as we're taping this. They yeah. lost in regulation. So that's their first regulation loss of the year. Breaking news. Well, they're definitely they're definitely trash now. They're not going to win another game. I don't know why they'd have any yeah, trouble. Yeah, just with end it. the season now. <laughs> there goes the, the unbeaten streak. Um, listen, we're going to have your mailbag, uh, questions. We got a bunch of them coming in already. It's always one of our better shows, uh, of the week and we're looking forward to it. So if you got some questions, you can send them to us on Twitter at sports day TV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Look forward to that. Thanks for listening for Steve Burstick. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay times. Have a great day, everybody. 